0: Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, thank you so much for joining me. Today, I have on Deirdre Booth. Deirdre is the owner of Tank Girl Marketing and lives by the motto, strategy first. She is always thinking about the bigger picture and how we can move goals down the battlefield to the win. She is intimately involved in every project, lending her 23 years of AEC marketing experience across the nation. Welcome, Deirdre. Hi there. So today we are going to be talking about strategic planning, which is aligned with your motto of strategy first. And I think it's something that is not totally understood by maybe I'm going to put myself in the category of younger marketers Mm -hmm. in the industry. It's something that we don't get to touch all that often. And you are the guru of this stuff. So (laughs) hence our conversation today. I've just been around a long time, you
1: (laughs) know, yeah, well, I think there is, you know, it's interesting a lot of times in our industry, you know, how marketing is kept so separate from the operations of the business, unlike so many other industries, right? Right. And so, yes, I've been involved in companies, you know, those larger corporate companies where, you know, marketing was not involved in the strategic planning often, you know, we're, we're handed down a set of goals that happen in a strategic plan that then we need to address in our department. But yeah, a lot of times we're kind of removed from that higher level discussion, you know, for whatever reason, like you're in a big company, of course, you're not going to be sitting at that table, you know. Right.
0: Which is one of the things that we're going to talk about this later, but it's so cool now being a consultant, being a third party that, you know, we do get to be in these rooms now with the executive Level helping make these decisions and prompting these decisions. So I think a good place to start is how do you know when you need a strategic plan?
1: Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. I want to go back to what you just said, though, because I do feel incredibly lucky that I get to sit in those rooms today and, and help companies do that. Like for me, that is like my joy to wake up and help people just like dig into their brains of what they already know. And you know, Mm -hmm. they know they want to go certain places and like to help them get there is so much fun, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
1: So yeah. So back to your question, when do you know you need a strategic plan? So I think, you know, for most companies it's when you want significant change or you want to mitigate significant change that could be coming down the road, right? So you've got some major event that you're seeing of, you know, again, there's a lot of succession planning happening right now. A lot of mergers and acquisitions happening right now. A lot of companies saying we've got to get better at recruiting and retention, right? Like significant change. That's when you really want to think about a strategic plan. We want to open a new service line. We want to open new markets, right? Significant change. That's strategic planning. I think another time to step back and look at it is when, you know, people are constantly kind of moving the goalposts, so to speak, you know, it's like whatever mm-hmm. today's new flavor or something is. And we're, we're always kind of chasing the squirrels and, you know, going in a lot of different directions, right? Or you've right. had a lot of change in your company, leadership changes, growth, whatever, you're bored, right? Like you're just tired of the status quo. Right. Uh, sometimes it's important to step back and, and look at what do we not want to do, mm-hmm. Right and so i think you know and again as a marketing person it's really hard to write a marketing plan without a strategic plan how am i supposed to market a company if i don't know where it's going
0: right yeah and i think for for our listeners I'll add some context here i have been so lucky to work with you recently on a strategic plan and i think one of the things that i was not expecting to get back from the market research was and I know we don't like to talk about politics very much in this industry but mm-hmm. I think another big trigger for a strategic plan could be you know changing policies because we've seen the impact that it has on certain sectors you know whether that be healthcare or higher education when when some big Sweeping legislature comes through. It never occurred to me that it would have such an impact on on the work that architects and engineers do, but it really does. So, you know, that could be enough to trigger a strategic plan discussion.
1: Absolutely, or even just look at like during COVID, how that affected the design industry, and like how do we start designing buildings for pandemic situations? Right, like right. that was not really thought of before you know, yeah. what new markets did that open up? There's, yeah. So yeah, big changes. And again, that was kind of shocking too. To I mean, I've always seen politics affecting strategic planning, but not to the level, to your point that this one was, of seeing kind of legislation that's happening across the country and, you know, how that impacts demographics and, you know, choice of where someone's going to go to higher ed and all that. So, right, um, yeah. Yeah. I, that's one of the things I love about strategic planning though, is like, you know, a big part of it is sitting around with leadership and saying, okay, what do you know? Where do you want to go? And there is a lot of value to this inherent knowledge we have within our industries that we've worked for, like for me, example, 23 years, right? Sure. You know, so if someone presents a problem to me, I've got a, a pretty good gut on some answers, right? But then it's right. interesting to like look at objective data and be like, wow, if I hadn't looked at that data, I would have made a lot different decisions. So it's balancing, you know, pure objective data with people's guts and experiences and all of that, which it's fun for me to see kind of how those overlay each other and how you help someone get there, you know?
0: Big time. So you mentioned a marketing plan and a strategic plan. Mm -hmm. And I think we also need to pick that apart a bit. So what is the difference between a marketing plan versus a strategic plan? Sure, absolutely.
1: So I, I look at them as building blocks, right? And so, so say, and, and there's actually something beyond that, which is a business plan, right? So hmm. when you first start a business, you write a business plan, right? right. Here's here's what I want to do, and then you know as you progress, you have to have a strategic plan that that keeps getting re-upped, right? You have your initial right. vision, but then what's your vision three years from now or five years from now? And that's that's that strategic vision, right? So right. strategic plan is generally gonna it's gonna have one year stuff, but generally it's more. Where do we want to be three to five years from now? Because strategic goals take a long time, especially depending on how big a firm is, right? Right. And so, and it will cover everything from operations, technology, safety, right? Like all of your different departments within a company are going to have say into an impact on a strategic plan because it covers all of your business, right? Where a marketing plan. Is how does marketing support those goals written in the strategic plan with one year of tactics? Because marketing, you can really only plan out a year to eighteen months, right? Right. Even conference cycles and things like that. And markets change on you, and messaging changes, and mediums change. So your marketing plan is generally going to be twelve to eighteen months of tactics of marketing tactics to support that strategic plan.
0: Perfect. So then what would the process look like for a strategic plan? Like if we were to start from a company saying, yeah, we want to do this. <laughs>
1: so it's interesting. What I love about strategic planning is I, is I have a general process, but the way it goes and the deliverables at the end are different for almost every single client, right? right. And so we start off with discovery, Paul. And I, and I think about it just like design or construction, right? It's the same process in a sense. You all sit down and say, what are your goals for this project, right? right. And sometimes we go and think it's a strategic plan, and it actually turns out to just be a marketing plan, or or it's beyond a strategic plan. It's like, oh man, you got mergers and acquisitions, you got a lot of other stuff going on here we need to talk about, right? And so you right. get that discovery call, and it's, what is your purpose for doing this? Mm-hmm. Because that's going to be the measurement of my success. Right, My success isn't did they they meet whatever those tactical goals are. It's did I deliver on whatever their goal was for doing a strategic plan? So sure. for example, the client we're working with right now, right? They've got a lot of leadership changes happening, and they're like, we all want to get on the same page. No. Who should be in the best roles and responsibilities? And are, do we have the right people, right? They were looking at a very big picture
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, on down as opposed to some people come in and it's like, we want to grow by 25% and open three new markets, right? That's a totally right. different type of right. So we have a Time. discovery call. Yeah. Like, what is this all about? And then we'll come back and do kind of a, the next call, which we're going to talk about, you know, the SWOT. We're going to do a SWOT and we're going to get like what's the current situation what are your initial thoughts on where you want to go right and really kind of get deeper into it and really start thinking about what are all the things we're going to have to research and so from there we're going to send out like a three page document for an internal analysis right where we're going to study everything from you know what's your what's your sales cycle like? how long does it take you to close a deal are you getting stuck in the sales cycle somewhere we're going to look at again, technology and stack you up against your competitors. We're gonna look at your operations, like all of those different things that within this initial analysis. We're gonna if you're trying to get into new markets, we're gonna research, well, which ones are you most successful in right now? Which ones are you most profitable in right now? What kind of clients do you work best with right now? What are your team's resumes that are they're sitting in the background that might transition to other work, right? We're gonna do an employee engagement survey if recruiting and retention is part of their goals. So a ton of internal analysis, and then we're also going to go out and look at external market factors. Again, if they're they're current markets as well as future markets, what are happening in those geographical as well as within a vertical market, right? Because again, if it's strategic, you have to know where that market's going to be three years from now, not six months from now. That's a lot of research, right? So then we take that and then we come back and balance that with what they say they want to do versus what can the market really bear and then looking at that internal analysis and saying how ready are they to do this right Right. so it's kind of three different things yeah we're also going to do perception surveys with clients to understand what's their current brand in the market right because if they they say oh we want to be known for this but they're currently known for something you know either sort of different or vastly different we need to understand where that brand currently is and how far that needle needs to move, right? So again, you're entering a new market. That's a whole different level of messaging than staying with an existing market, right? So we need to understand that brand perception. So then for there, we go in and we take all of that analysis and all of their initial goals and say, okay, now let's set some real measurable metric goals to these, right? right? And then start help building the tactics out to get them to success.
0: Perfect. So then... We had we had talked about, you know, coming in as third parties. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a crucial element here of any in-house marketer listening of like, is this something that in-house marketing should try and tackle? Or Mm -hmm. I guess, why is it so important to bring in a facilitator or a third party? You know, taking out the bias of actually ourselves being (laughs) that person. But like, why is it so important to bring that third party in?
1: Yeah, I think with it because we get groupthink so easily, right? So it's right. almost like like why do two people that are having trouble go to counseling, right? To to hmm. express it in front of a third party that can objective that has no skin in the game of who's right or wrong, but just wants to help them figure out the middle, right? Right. And so, same thing, kind of with the third party. There's a couple different things to it. Is a just having an outside perspective, it's having someone that's that's done it in a lot of different companies, knows how to facilitate a meeting with a lot of different personalities. Like that's a talent right there just to make sure everybody's contributing, all of that type of stuff, right? Knows how to ask the right questions to get the information. Again, bring in that outside knowledge on competitors, other industries, right? But but more than anything, having no stake in the outcome. But then I think the biggest skill of a facilitator is to A, really listen to what they're saying. And then Know what to do with the information, right? So it's one thing to listen. It's another to be able to analyze and extrapolate, right? To say, okay, well, if that's your goal, then I got to have the knowledge to know the next steps to get there, right? That's where the expertise comes in too of someone that really knows how to build out the implementation of a strategic plan. It's one thing to sit down and ask them all their goals and write them all down and hand them a piece of paper that says, "Oh, here's the goals you said you wanted. But, you know, it's consultants, you know, that industry expertise to come in and say, okay, well, if that's your goal, then here's your next 10 steps. And it's probably going to take you that long and cost you that much. And who's going to be responsible and, and really help them get to a position of being able to implement that plan in, in a way that works for them too. To understand that some companies, their strategic plans are, you know, hundred and some odd pages long. Some are three. Right. right. And it's not because the work wasn't the same. It was how I had to distill it down to something actionable for them it was different sure. right like what's the tool that's going to get this company success
0: and i think we've all been in the spot you know earlier on in our careers where we've been part of a proposal or an interview and if we're lucky our company will invest in a third party for either interview prep or to help put together the proposal and we all know that when that third person comes in and basically says the same exact things yes. that you've been saying for months. Yes. Your team actually listens. So I do so, think they're sort of like that. I'm not going to listen to mom. I'm mm-hmm. going to listen to, you know,
1: the yeah. teacher.
0: You know, you, like there is, is that. It new, is kind of
1: that same thing of like relationships, right? After a while yeah. you're listening to each other, but then you hire some outside person and they come in and say the same thing. And it's like, oh, I don't know what they said. it right? Or exactly, they said it in a yeah. different way or whatever. But yes, there is a big value to that too. And so again, if you're in-house and you're trying to do this for the first time and your company's not used to hiring consultants or whatever, you know, maybe it's someone from a different department or a different office that has good planning and facilitation skills that you can bring in. And, and even here at Tankerl over the years, when I really wanted to to take a big step back and look, you know, which we do every few years as well. I bring someone in to help do that. I don't try and do it for the company. It wouldn't be fair. I've got way too much bias.
0: Yeah. It wouldn't be fair to myself. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and even even though you know your stuff inside and out, strategy-wise, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So then one thing that we came up against, and I don't want to say came up against, one thing that we sort of realized, was a, a lacking definition during our strategy meetings was the difference between consensus and agreement. So, how would you delineate those two?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of those you know it when you feel it for sure. I think the sure. difference is, and the challenge that companies have, depending on how almost kind of how black and white thinking they are and how mm-hmm. they function as a team, is some teams like feel like everybody has to. 100% agree with something or we're not moving forward with the decision. And again, right. the larger a company gets, the harder, the harder that is to do. And so right. when it comes to strategic planning, you have to come to what I call consensus. And that means everybody can live with it. Right. And everybody can live with it and get behind it. And because again, when you're looking at a strategic plan, you're looking at all the departments across the company. Right. And I and I think one of the most interesting things, and again, I don't mean to knock our industry, but I it is an interesting phenomenon I see in our industry more than others, in that as people as companies form and people rise up through the ranks, like I'll look at engineering firms and the CFO will be an engineer, the CMO will be an engineer the CEO will be an engineer. And I'm like, what kind of business experience do these people have, right. right? Yeah, they're trying to make these decisions because they're in these positions. It's not their fault, they're there. It's just kind of how the how these companies have gone. But I think the most sophisticated companies do have more people that are are more broader thinkers, you know, just have different business experience they're bringing into their leadership teams. I certainly see it in the larger companies, but I think that's a level of sophistication to understand, like, as a partner in this firm, I might not love this decision, but there's really no reason for me to be against it either. Other than it's just not the way I would do it, and I think that that's. Exactly. I think I'm trying to get to that. Like again, when you're in smaller companies or more partnerships, it's it's almost harder, of because people have such a vested interest, right? Like sure. I'm our owner in this company, and I don't like that decision. You right. know, as opposed to stepping back and saying, yeah, but can I live with it? Like, is it going to hurt me really? Like, it's it's just tough. And I think a lot of it, again, not to people's fault, but a lot of people get into positions in companies and they don't have business experience. They don't have MBAs even, right? Where you kind of learn this stuff about negotiation and strategic planning and how to come to consensus and all that stuff. And they're they're doing the best they can.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But I think that's the biggest thing I see is... People feeling like everybody needs to 100% agree with every single decision. And man, it's really hard to move anything forward that way because we're just.
0: Sure. It's never going to happen. Decisions yeah. aren't going to be made. Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. And and again, who's really responsible for this decision and implementing it? Let them be in charge, like, you know, trusting each other too, right? If you don't have that kind of trust at that level of leadership, to me, that's almost a bigger issue when I see that. Right. You know, or conversely, like everybody's just afraid to say, yes, this is decision, right? And they just keep going circular and circular and circular. And it's like.
0: Right. Fear of making the wrong decision. Yeah, Keeps I, you from making a decision.
1: <laughs> and I see that more than anything in, in certain types of companies with certain types of groups is that they don't want to make the wrong decision. And I keep trying to tell them like strategic planning, any kind of planning, even interview prep. I was saying this when I was coaching an interview team this morning and I said, we were just best guessing based on data here. There is no right answer, right? And that's why you check in on these plans. And because maybe we did make a wrong decision. It happens. Or maybe the data told us a story and the market changed or whatever. That's why you check in on these things, depending on how big your goals are monthly or quarterly right? These are not like etched into concrete, right? These right. are movable, malleable things. And as we learn more, we make new decisions. We can change our mind.
0: Yep. Yep. Perfect. So then sort of as a recap, what do you think people should know about strategic planning if you had to sort of pin it down?
1: Yeah. I think that's the number one thing is it's best guessing based on data. The more data <laughs> you have, the better your guesses. But be open-minded to that, right? Be open-minded to the possibilities of what's out there and what you're going to learn through the process, right? Like, for example, we've had several times where I've been working with a client and we thought we were going one direction and the data sent us in a completely different direction. And yeah. and thank goodness they were open-minded because it, it worked out, right? But I mean, I, I've i come up with some curveballs a few times where the data has shown something completely different and they're like, okay, well, what do we got to lose, right? So right. I think being open-minded, being flexible, again, knowing that that this is a process, it's, it's a process that is ongoing. A strategic plan. is Again, it's not written and done. It's You move it along and you change and you grow as you learn more. I think that plans don't nearly need to be as complicated as people make them. Again, there's a process we go through. There's a basic outline we use, but how complicated we make it really depends on how complicated it needs to be. Right. You know, sometimes it just doesn't need to be that complicated, especially if you're just starting out. Like I've got one page guidelines of like, here's a one page one, just start here.
0: Right. Right. (laughs) And I think the thing is, it's just start somewhere. Big time. That's good business advice, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Just start somewhere.
1: Like start with one goal. You know, as a company, we're going to have one strategic goal. Right and how and how is everybody in the company going to fit into this one goal? How are you going to support it? How are you going to support it? You know, and ask each person from your role how how would you support this goal? You know, and that's how you really get people's buy in is is to show that you have a vision and then ask them mm-hmm. as a team how are we going to get there together? What's your what what's your what's your role on the team and and how
0: do you how do you
1: support this goal?
0: Right, right, yeah. There was a really interesting analogy that I read in a book that I'm reading now, it was, it was called the beach ball analogy and it fits perfectly into this where you have like the circle in the center, that's like the white circle. And then you have all the different colors coming off of the main circle. Right. And if each person is standing in their little section and they look down, you ask them, okay, what's the color that's beneath your feet? They'll all say a different color and they're all telling the truth. And it's sort of like that's their perspective. So when you're asking, you know, your your chief marketing officer, their perspective on said goal, here's the color, quote unquote, that they're coming from. Yeah. And your CEO can come back and say, well, no, it's this issue is blue. It's not red. And that's because the color that they're standing on is blue. And so just to sort of to reframe it I love the way you did that because that immediately brought me to that analogy of like okay how how is each of these things going to contribute into this one main goal or five main goals or god knows how many goals in a strategic plan
1: yeah oh that's it that's a good point how many goals should you have in a strategic plan (laughs)
0: You know, <laughs> that's a good
1: question. <laughs> now, what do you think people should know about strategic planning? Again, if you are just starting out one to three, mm. one to three, and 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 again, it depends on how big your company is. But I'm guessing if you're at a larger company, there's already a plan that's existing somewhere. So I'm not really talking to that group. Sure. Because again, I've I worked on strategic plans that had like 10, but they, it was a huge company that had a lot sure. of divisions and a lot of different types of operations and things like that, you know, but. But for the most part, we try to keep them to three to five for those smaller to mid-sized companies that are really actionable. I'd rather people have one goal or two goals that they get done and feel amazing success from than have five goals that they get a little
0: bit of each done. Right. Yeah. So would it be something like if, you, if you've never had a strategic plan, let's say you had a business plan and that's expired? mm mm-hmm you're looking at probably one to two goals once you're more yeah. established, three to five. And then yeah. your global whoever's are looking potentially at more than that.
1: Right, just like anything else, break it down into small chunks, right? right. Like start with one thing, break it down into chunks. You, you get some success, then, then add a little more to the plate. But I really think one of the hardest things I see in strategic planning is people write overly complicated plans mm. and they don't really talk about how they're gonna hold each other accountable to the plan. And and as, as tough as this industry can seem, it is always amazing to me sitting in boardrooms with people with their strategic plans when people haven't done what they said they were going to do and no one wanting to hold each other accountable. I see it over and over all the time. And mm. it's so fascinating to watch that process. And I think it's because everybody realizes, oh man, we all have a lot on each other's plates, blah, blah, blah. Right. We make excuses for what gets in the way, all of that. And we don't really just hold each other accountable a lot of the time. And so I think to me, that's one of the biggest downsides I ever see in a plan is, is people not saying up front, almost like creating a prenup, right? Of like, okay, if you break the social contract, here are the consequences. Right. right? So to me, that's an important part of closing out the planning process is for them to document in writing how they're going to actually hold each other accountable and really think it through. Mm. What does that look like?
0: I feel like that could be a whole episode. (laughs) How to hold one another accountable.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, there's you know, I have I do have clients that, you know, we hand it off and we suggest staying on for a while to make sure they implement it. And some are like, no, we've got it. And I believe them. And some they say, Yep, we've got it. And I know they don't. And so it would be interesting to to compare and contrast a couple of companies that that were able to execute. And those that got stuck in the process and what was the difference between the two, right? Let them you know, I mean, I have my observations, but I'm not on the inside of these companies. And so I right. think it would be an interesting conversation to talk about firms that actually do get it done and what, what that difference is and that firm that actually gets it done.
0: Might have to have you back on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I want to know myself. So. <laughs> <Stay tuned. laughs>
0: All right, well, with that said, thank you so much for joining me and, and breaking down strategic planning. I know that when I had originally started you know, even trying to conceptualize strategic planning with a company. I was sort of drawing a blank and I figured I can't be the only one, but who better to talk to than you about this. So thank you.
1: Hopefully, hopefully we visualized it a little bit more, but again, if people need resources or whatever, I'm always happy to like send samples and outlines and, you know, suggested articles. Like I learned everything, honestly, when I started in this industry from a book and, Mm. you know, so you can do it. It is a process, and as long as you follow the process, you will get there. It might be rough, but you can do it. And so, yeah, if you're struggling, if we didn't break it down, reach out to me. And I'm, I'm happy. I love talking about this. Just can't tell i nerd. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I will include your LinkedIn profile Thank as well too. as Tank Girls website in the episode show notes. Thanks, Elin. All right, perfect. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, Marketeers, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.